0: It's a wise man who knows when he needs help. (laughs) Thanks, Derek. I want to share with you this morning, starting with uh, John chapter 14, We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit this morning. And we're going to start here and we'll end up with the passage that Derek was talking with the children about in 1 John chapter 5. But we'll begin here in John 14. Very familiar passage to you. We're going to start with verse 9. This is after the resurrection. I'm sorry, this is before the crucifixion, John 14. Before the crucifixion and... Uh, Jesus is trying to explain to the disciples what's coming, and they're not getting it. And so uh, he's trying to tell them to be calm, to um, not be troubled over even the events that are coming. And he's trying to reveal to them who he is and where he's going. And they're, they're full of questions and fears and doubts. And so we're going to begin in verse 9. You remember that um, Thomas says he doesn't know the way, uh, doesn't know where God's going, where Jesus is going, so how can he know the way? And Jesus answers him. Philip says, if you just show us the Father, that'll be enough, and we're in verse 9. And there's going to be a progression here, and it's important for us to um, take note of this progression because what God did through his Son, Jesus Christ he intends to do in and through each one of his children. So what God has done through his only begotten son, who died on the cross, he's going to make it possible for God to do in each one of his children. He's going to treat us as sons and daughters. And so here's the progression. Jesus answered, "'Don't you know me, Philip?' even after I've been you, among you, for such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So we'll stop there for now. What God does in the Son, he intends to do in all of his children. And Jesus told the disciples that. Now, is he just talking to the disciples? Who's the gospel of John written to? Was it written to the disciples? No. they are the ones writing these things. John's going to tell us later on, these things are written for us so that we might know Christ and knowing him, we might have life eternal. So what he's saying here, he's not just saying to the twelve, he's saying to every one of us as well. That's why it's written. So when Jesus says, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing, he's talking to you, he's talking to me, and then he says, he will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Now what's Paul's take on this? In Galatians 2.20... Paul's going to make some astounding statements. In Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus says, it's not me doing these things, it's the Father in me doing his things. It's the things that I'm doing, the words that I say. The words are his, the deeds are his. It's the Father living in me. Paul says I'm crucified with Christ. The very life I live, I'm not living for myself anymore. It's Christ living his life in me. Just as if the Father was in the Son, the Son is in you and he's in me. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 he's writing to the church again Paul in Galatians, that's a a letter to churches in Galatia Um, Philippi, a specific church in Asia Minor that he's writing to, he's writing to Christians, he's writing to the church and he's talking about his life and he says that he's willing to, to live or die, doesn't make any difference starting in verse 20 I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body whether by life or by death for me to live is Christ and to die is gain so Jesus is telling the disciples in the upper room how can you say show us the father if you've seen me you've seen the father What is Paul saying in Philippians 1? For me to live is Christ. If you want to look at Jesus and know what he's like, Paul says, look at me. He's writing that to the church. And he's saying that about us as Christians. One of the great testimonies after Pentecost was the work that the Holy Spirit was doing in and through these men and women. And it says that, This spread out from Jerusalem to Samaria, other parts of the earth. And um, one of the places that it ended up and became a real center was Antioch, which was a predominantly uh, Greek-speaking Gentile church. And it says that Barnabas and Paul taught there for a year. They were prophets and teachers, and they were ministering in the church. And the testimony, the witness is this. The place that they were called Christians first was Antioch. Christians means Christ-like ones. The testimony to the pagan community of Antioch about these believers, these men and women are like Christ. For me to live, Paul says, is Christ. And then he says in 1 Corinthians, dangerous statement, Chapter 11, verse 1. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul writes to the church. Follow my example. He's going to tell Timothy later on, toward the end of Paul's life, the things that you have heard and seen in me, do and teach and train other people who are able to live that way and to teach that way so what Jesus was saying that God was doing in himself he is going to go to the cross to make it possible for God to do that in your life and mine that's the reason that we were created that balloon was created to be filled with air we were created in the image and likeness of God to where people could say She looks just like her mom. He looks just like his dad. God is our father and God is our mother and we are to be like him in this world. And that's why Jesus died. And that's why the Holy Spirit has come to change us into what God has created us to be. So he tells us, That anyone who has faith in Christ will be doing the same things that he has done. And he says, even greater things shall you do in my name. Because I'm going to the Father and then the very next thing he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor, comforter, to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. And he is the enabler. Holy Spirit comes. To take Paul who had been Saul, a violent, um, judgmental, condemning man. And it's funny how when you think you're right, everybody else must be wrong. And Paul was convinced he was right. But when you start from a false premise, does it doesn't make any difference how good your logic is, the conclusion will be wrong. And Paul, as a, when he was Saul, was starting from the wrong premise he thought it was all about him and what he could do and he found out no matter what he did how good it was how powerful it was it was going to end in death for him and everybody around him and it's only when he got his life centered around the proper premise Jesus Christ our hope of glory that's when things began to go right for him so Jesus tells the disciples I will ask the Father. He will give you another counselor of the spirit of truth. He will be with you forever. Uh, You know him. He lives with you. But he's going to be in you. This is the difference between Old Testament and New Testament. In the Old Testament, uh, the Holy Spirit came upon people for a specific task and purpose to enable them to do what God had called them to do, to be what God had called them to be. But the Holy Spirit, after the crucifixion, because of the blood of Christ now the opportunity for all of us to be filled with the spirit is made available to us and so the spirit of truth is going to come he says later on in chapter uh, 14 verse 26 the counselor the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything i have said to you and so over and over again John talks about the Holy Spirit as being the spirit of truth. Um, And all truth, all truth originates in God. If it doesn't originate in God, it's a lie. And sometimes, lies can be very believable. But they're lies. So he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Do not, let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. And he told him that I've told you these things so that ahead of time, so that when it happens, you will believe. So he lets us know what's coming as Christians in the sense that this is God's plan and purpose for us, so that when it happens, it creates faith within us because it's showing us God's faithfulness to us. And the Holy Spirit comes and he reminds us of everything that God has promised us. In chapter 15 of of John's Gospel, verse 26 and 27, Jesus says again, When the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who goes out from the Father, He will testify about me. So one of the reasons that the Holy Spirit is given is He is always the witness. That's what He does. That's who He is. He is the witness. And when the Holy Spirit is in us, that's what we become that's who we become we become witnesses because of his presence in us he carries this on again in chapter 16 of the gospel of john and i want us to look particularly at uh, starting with verse 12 john 16 starting with verse 12 so the disciples are there this is before the crucifixion they're still struggling with all of this he's trying to tell them that there's more coming that it's going to be better but they have to get through the crucifixion first. And they're not understanding that. And so he tells them in verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. What's the problem? He wants us to know more. We're not able to receive it. So, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all of that truth the things that Jesus wants us to know. He gives us as much as we can understand, as much as we're capable of receiving. And as we receive that and walk in it, put it into practice, then there is a stretching, like Derek was stretching the balloon, which makes us have a greater capacity to receive. That comes through obedience. When the Holy Spirit works within us and we are walking in obedience to Him, it increases our capacity to receive more of Him. Stretches us. Sometimes it's not a pleasant stretching. (laughs) Sometimes it hurts. But the result is life and growth. And so he's telling us, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. And so he's telling them, Holy Spirit is going to come and do what Jesus has been doing, taking the word of God and now the word of Christ himself at the Father's right hand and reveal it to us to help us to know to stretch us to help us to grow to help us to be the witness that he's called us to be now after the the death of Christ and the resurrection in John 20 Jesus is about to ascend this is just before the ascension and again he's wanting the disciples to understand what is happening here in John chapter 20 verse 21 again Jesus said peace be with you as the father has sent me I am sending you now we know that as the father has sent me I am sending you but if we look back in chapter 15 verse 9 Before he sends, he says this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. That's why he can send us out. The sending is based on the love of Jesus Christ in us. As God the Father loved God the Son, Jesus says, I have loved you and me. As the Father, in his love and mercy and grace, sent the Son into the world, Jesus says, now I am sending you. Filled with the Father's love. Filled with the love of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The relationship existing between God the Father and God the Son, he is placed within us, and he says, I can trust you. I'll send you forth in my name to be my witnesses. and with that he breathed on them and said receive the Holy Spirit now that's going to be fulfilled in Acts 2 because he told them Holy Spirit who the Father will send in my name I'm going to the Father and I will send the Holy Spirit to you so when he says receive the Holy Spirit he's telling them when he comes receive him now that's exactly the way that God Dealt with his son Jesus Christ. All four gospels tell us before the public ministry of Jesus began, what happened? Come on, y'all know this. What happened? Before the public ministry, first thing that happened, he's 30 years old. What's going to happen before he begins his ministry? He's going to be baptized and what happened when the baptism took place the heavens opened and the Spirit of God descended upon his son and then he went forth into ministry Jesus tells the disciples you are my witnesses but you've got to wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you and fills you and then you will go forth and minister in my name so at the Jordan River Jesus was baptized immersed under the water and Jesus what did John say about Jesus He says I've come to baptize you with water for the repentance for the forgiveness of sins there is one coming he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit so what happens when you're baptized in the Jordan River you're immersed totally and completely and the idea is you never get over that so he says you wait until the Holy Spirit comes the promise of the Father Jesus will send them Jesus will baptize you in the Holy Spirit you will be immersed in the Spirit of God then you'll be the witness then you can go forth because as we said last week only God can witness to God and when God the Holy Spirit is in us he is witnessing to his son the Spirit always glorifies the Son. The Son always glorifies the Father. The Father sent the Son and glorifies Him. And so when Jesus comes up out of the water, the Spirit of God descends upon Him and Jesus, God's set voice rings out, this is my Son. I love Him and I am well pleased with Him. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and we're immersed in His presence... God the Father says, These are my children whom I love. I am well pleased with you. And then he sends us out. So anointed for ministry, filled, and then we go. So we're in 1 John now, the passage that... Derek was sharing with the children 1 John chapter 5 starting with verse 5 who is it that overcomes the world only he who believes that Jesus is the son of God now believing it's more than understanding it's more than knowledge it's more than a mental assent Uh, I believe God exists James says well that's good the devils believe and they tremble (laughs) they don't serve him but they know who he is John says, the one who overcomes is he that believes that Jesus is the son of God. He that knows. He's that in relationship with him. This is the one who came by water and blood. Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. So what was the water for at the baptism of John? It's for the forgiveness and cleansing from sin. But it's not just water, is it? If it's just water and you go under the water and you come up, and if it's just water, all you are is wet. (laughs) It's for the forgiveness, the cleansing from sin, the emptying out, the cleansing, the purging. Preparing for what? Once you've been poured out, once your sins have forgiven and you're emptied of all that sin and garbage and junk that's there, what's left? That's when the Holy Spirit comes and fills us with the presence of Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, for me to live is Christ because I've emptied myself. It's a lifelong immersion in the Holy Spirit. And if we think baptism is just a once under the water and you're back up and that's the end of it, we are sadly mistaken. So this is what we understand. Only God can witness to God. That's why Jesus talked to the woman at the well about they that worship must worship in spirit and in truth. And you can't do that unless the Holy Spirit's telling us who God is and what he's like. I may have good ideas about God, but they're going to be wrong or at best incomplete. But Paul says, All the fullness of the Godhead dwells in bodily form in Christ Jesus, and you are complete in Him. So John goes on and he he makes this great statement. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood, because the blood is what makes the difference. The blood, remember last week we said three things cleanses in the scripture. Water, fire, and blood. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he comes in fire. So he did not come by water only, but by water and blood. He paid the price... So our sins can be forgiven. And it is the Spirit who testifies or witnesses because the Spirit is the truth. So who is witnessing now? It is the Spirit who witnesses. Always. Always. It's the Spirit who witnesses. And what does He witness to? He witnesses to Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit is the witness. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit... He witnesses through us. God doing his work in us and through us, exalting Christ to the glory of God the Father. So he says it is the Spirit who testifies, who witnesses, because the Spirit is the truth. In Romans chapter 8, Paul says a very same thing. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. This great passage about being sons of God. In verse 16, the Spirit Himself testifies, bears witness with our Spirit, that we are God's children. There He is, Holy Spirit witnessing, witnessing that we are God's children, witnessing that our sins have been forgiven, witnessing that we are new creation in Christ Jesus. So He says, there are three that testify or bear witness the spirit the water and the blood and these three are in agreement we accept God's testimony man's testimony but God's testimony is greater because it's the testimony of God which he's given about his son anyone who believes in the son of God has this testimony this witness in his heart anyone who does not believe God has made God out to be a liar because he has not believed the witness the testimony God has given us about his son and this is the witness this is the testimony this is what the Holy Spirit has come to do in us and then through us to the rest of the world God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son he who has the son has life he who does not have the son of God does not have life. And in John chapter 3, right after he says, God so loved the world that he gave his son, he's going to say, if you don't have the son within your heart, the wrath of God is still on you. Because we've rejected the witness. And the witness is more than words. It's a presence. It's the Holy Spirit. Living and working and speaking in us, and through us it's the Holy Spirit applying the word of God creating faith within us that's why we can do greater things Paul in Romans and in Galatians John here in chapter 3 and chapter 4 they all speak about the witness of the Holy Spirit that we are God's children so the baptism is a baptism into a way of life it's a total immersion into a new life a life of repentance and service repentance is not a once off thing it would be if we sinned and stopped anybody here without sin <laughs> that means we all need to be living a life of repentance continuous cleansing uh, immersed in the presence of the Lord. And on the day of Pentecost, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to immerse us in himself, a total change of purpose and direction from which hopefully we never recover. Now, it's a strange thing. Uh, When Jesus was talking with Nicodemus, he was telling him, look, uh, the answer to your questions and all the longings of your heart is you've got to be born again now Nicodemus says wait a minute I'm an old man I can't go back into my mother's womb and be born again but many many Christians try that you know when a baby's born uh, there's a whole different life for that child uh, everything is different not so dependent upon the mother anymore still dependent, yeah but not like before everything, the environment everything changes the old has gone this is a new life that's born here and it's not ever going to be the same as it was in the womb, ever You can't go back to the old life. And yet many Christians accept Christ baptized into the church and they want to return to their old way of life. They want to go back and be spiritual infants inside the womb. No responsibilities, no care, everything done for me, everything is easy. And I don't have any responsibility at all. And no accountability. And people, even in the church, try to live that way, and you cannot do it. You're not an infant in the womb anymore. You're a new creation in Christ, a new creation. Every, every, everything is different. Or you're not a new creation. You cannot go back. You remember the children of Israel in the wilderness. God had delivered them out of Egypt every time a crisis came, every time things got hard, every time their life was threatened. I want to go back to Egypt. I want to go back to Egypt. And what did that bring? It brought a curse. As Christians, why do we want to go back to the old slavery and bondage that was killing us and ruining us from the inside? Affecting every relationship that we ever had. Corrupting everybody around us with the corruption that's within us. With the corruption that we were. And Paul tells us, hey, that's over. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You're not living in the old ways of death anymore. You're living in the new ways of life. And when you are filled with life, you impart life to everybody. When you're filled with death, that's what you impart to everybody else so what are we filled with through the blood of Christ we're filled with the Holy Spirit and he is the witness God testifying to God through the children that he has created in his image to be his representatives in this earth Peter says once we were not a people we weren't but now we are the people of God and that is what we are And that is who we are, the people of God. Christians, people who are like Jesus, doing, as he told us in John, what he did, saying what he says. God in us, working as he's always worked through his children. Spirit testifies to us, calling out to God, Abba, Father, we are God's children, then we need to be God's children and live it and walk it and when things get tough we don't want to go back to the old way of life the old bondage the old enslavement picking up the old chains again we don't need to go there we've been set free and the Holy Spirit has come to make that a possibility within us he does in us what we cannot do for ourselves, transforming us into the image of Christ so 2 Corinthians Paul says, for us as Christians, day by day, in increasing measure, the glory of Christ is seen in us. That is the testimony of Christ in us. That's who we're called to be. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are the spirit of truth. Help us not to... Return to the falsehood, the lies of the past. You are the spirit of light. Help us, Lord, not to love the darkness instead. You are the spirit of life. Help us not to live in death any longer. You've called us out. We pray, Father, that you would quicken us, that we might be able to say with, Christ, with Paul, I'm crucified with Christ, and for me to live is Christ. That's the work that you're doing. That's the witness, the testimony. In the Son is life. Outside the Son, there's nothing but death. Work that in us and through us that we might be the light of the world, the salt of the earth that you've called us to be in Christ Jesus. In whose name we pray, amen.